Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. can be seated if you can. I don't know if you can though because I can't. I'm excited church. Are you excited this morning? I mean this is the day. It's not just the day that the Lord has made as the Bible says. It's also the day that Christ is risen. It reminds me today that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved. And what we say at Kingsway over and over and over again is that God is good. And all the time, it's just a friendly reminder. It reminds us that no matter what's going on in life, that God is good. God is good all the time. And that's what the resurrection is about, bringing light to the darkness, bringing situations that are out of our control and turning them completely around. And if he can do that with death, then he can do that with anything. Amen? So I need to make one announcement here. The reason we have all those Easter eggs behind us is because there is an Easter egg hunt. They're actually preparing for it, you know, even as we speak. So as the kids are in class, a bunch of our staff is going outside and they're beginning to prepare the Easter egg hunt. Um, and some may ask, why do we do that? Why do we do that? What, is, what does that have anything to do? Well, you see, this is Resurrection Sunday. And a lot of churches all around are going to call this day Resurrection Sunday. That's a really big word, resurrection. I have a hard time understanding it, and we're going to get to it in a second. And it is Resurrection Sunday, but we still celebrate the word Easter because everybody knows what Easter means. It's the day you come to church. It's the day they have Easter egg hunts. Why do we do that? Because we want... We want to experience and enjoy your family. We want your kids to come to church and have something fun to do. We want them to experience all the fullness of full Easter baskets and, and full bellies in the morning and, and full Easter eggs when they open them. We want them to experience that because that's what Christ did. He entered the tomb to fill your life. Amen? You're allowed to clap. You're allowed to say amen. You're allowed to say, go, Pastor Sean. You say whatever you want. Keep me going and I will keep going. But don't worry. I will end at 12. So church, there's a lot of confusion around Resurrecting Sunday or around Easter Sunday. There's confusion in Christian circles and there's confusion certainly outside um, among our neighborhoods and among the secular community, the people who don't read the Bible every day or don't quite understand it. There's a lot of confusion and Easter Bunny doesn't help. And so I began to pray, Lord, what in the world does the Easter Bunny have to do with Easter? And as I began to pray and search the Bible, I couldn't find it. But Google helped me. And I ran into this story that made total sense to me and totally cleared it up. So I'm going to share it with you in case you don't know what the Easter Bunny has to do with Easter. So it goes like this, the story. There was a man driving down a road, and he was going about his business, and then he saw the Easter Bunny. There he was, hopping alongside the road. And much to his chagrin, the Easter Bunny started hopping into the road. 
And the man began to swerve to avoid hitting the Easter Bunny, all dressed up in his vest, his fancy colors, his pink, his purple, his green, and his Easter basket with his Easter eggs. And he hopped right in front of the car at the last second. The man hit the Easter Bunny. The Easter Bunny, of course, fell over. And the man stopped the car because he cares about bunnies. And he went out to check the Easter Bunny. And guess what? The Easter Bunny was no longer alive. Easter Bunny was dead. And he began to cry. Oh, no, oh, no. And a lady driving the other way stops her car, and she gets out. What's going on? He says, I killed the Easter Bunny. The eggs are everywhere. There's no longer to be Easter to celebrate. And lady goes, I know what to do. She runs back to her car. She looks in her back seat. She then comes out of her back seat. She goes to the trunk. She opens the trunk. She's rummaging through. She pulls out a spray can. She runs over to the Easter Bunny, and she begins to spray the Easter Bunny. Head, neck, body, feet. She's spraying till the whole can is empty. Then, surprisingly, miraculously, the Easter Bunny comes alive. He comes alive. He, he puts himself together. He grabs his basket. He puts the Easter eggs back in his, his basket, and he waves at the couple. And then he hops along. He gets about 50 yards. He looks back and he waves again. And he gets, and they're, and they're like, what's going on? He, he gets almost out of the distance and right before they can't see, he turns around and he, he waves one more time. The man is completely in shock and awe. And he says to the lady, what in the world was in that spray can? And she turns it over so he can read the label. She says, hairspray. Restores life to dead hair, creates, <laughs> creates permanent wave. Now I get it. The Easter Bunny was resurrected by a spray can. I get it. I thought it was funny. I wasn't sure how it was going to go over, but, but now you get the idea. There's something about Resurrection Sunday that's confusing that we're trying to get our heads around. But the reason why we call it Resurrection Sunday is the emphasis is on the resurrection. This is a very difficult topic. Some churches make it simple. Some make it really complex. Some have big words they use to explain what's going on this morning. And I can make it very, very simple. But as I was praying about this service and as I was asking God to put on me, lay on me something different this Sunday. And look, if you haven't been here before, you'll know something about me. Every Sunday is different. I preach a different style every Sunday. Some, some, some weeks, the Lord is telling me to teach, 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 and I'm in the Hebrew and I'm in the Greek and people don't know what I'm saying. Other weeks, I'm up here hemming and hollering and, and going crazy. Other weeks, I'm doing a drama. Other weeks, I'm doing a video. This week, I said, Lord, what, what can you share with me in the scripture? So I'm going through scriptures and I'm trying to, to read all about the resurrection and see what I can, what I can uh, uh, feel the Lord is, is drawing me to. And then the Lord puts on my mind another story. And I believe this story is going to help put in perspective what the Lord is saying to you and to me this morning. Now, I need you to pause for a second. I'm going to take a segue, and I'm going to introduce you to something on Netflix called The Push. If you watch Netflix or you have Netflix, you may have seen a trailer for this show, The Push. This has nothing to do with Easter. You need to follow along for a second. See, this show is very interesting. It caught my attention right away. It is one of those documentaries, you know, Netflix does a lot of these, where the cameras follow around people and see what they do. Except for this documentary, 
This big production that they're doing is in fact fiction. It's real life fiction. What do I mean by that? I mean the producer, the director of the show, has put together hundreds of people, actors, put them into a hotel to act out a real life situation. And then they put a subject, like an experiment, a human being, like a brother Chuck. They bring him into the hotel. He's thinking he's coming there for a job. And then they act out this whole real life experience around him, unbeknownst to him, he has no idea. It's this giant hoax on brother Chuck. The point is, is they're trying to determine how far can we push somebody? How far will social pressure, peer pressure, how will that change what we do? Can we, can we put somebody under enough pressure to make them tell a little lie? To make them do something they wouldn't normally do? Could we push them into breaking down their morality? The show culminates in a very, very specific and compelling point. The show culminates in a question. What would you do if you were in this situation? And can you be manipulated into murder? Could you be manipulated into literally pushing somebody off of a building? Of course, every one of us says that's crazy. Would never do that. No way. It's crazy. Unless it was so-and-so. No, it's crazy. I would never do that. I would never do that. Okay, I want to get that in your mind. Now, as I begin to walk through the scriptures, I want you to think for a second. What have you been pushed into? Maybe some of you have been pushed into church today. You showed up and you're like, hey, I don't know what I'm expecting, but I'll come to church to see what it's all about. As you go through your life, what have you been pushed into? College, school, neighborhoods. Have you been pushed into a circle of friends? Have your circle of friends pushed you into doing something you regret? Are there things in your life you're not proud of? Ask yourself this question as we go through the scripture. Amen? So I'm going to turn to this part of the Bible. It's in Mark. I got it right this week. It's chapter 16. I invite you, I welcome you to open your Bible if you have one. If you have an iPod and, or an iPhone or an iPad and you want to use the Bible app, feel free to do that. If you have none of the above, it's okay. I'm going to read it to you. This is the Bible, and we believe it is so important to read the story of Jesus Christ. So here's, here's the short version of the sermon real quick. The short version of the sermon is this. That Jesus Christ was God, and he came down and was born to a woman and took the form of a man. He walked with us, talked with us, experienced life with us. He suffered just like us, had the same temptations, the same thoughts, the same agonies, just like us. Then at 33 years old, his ministry took off, and he began to do miracles. He began to transform people's lives. He healed the blind. He made food come out of an empty basket. At one point, he walked on water. At another point, he held his hand out to the storm and said, peace be still. At another point, a paralyzed person, he was able to touch and ask them to stand and they were able to do so. At another point, he came across somebody with leprosy and was able to heal them, take demons out of those that were afflicted. He even came across some dead people, and he was able to speak a word 
and allow them to come back to life. That is the resurrection. This story in 16 is after all of that. He comes into Jerusalem. He comes to the core group of where all of his people is. Think Baltimore City right in the center. He's going into the harbor place and everybody's waiting for him to come to see what he's going to do, to see what magic act, to see what miracle he's going to perform. And yet the miracle isn't this grand triumphant thing that everybody's expecting to do. In fact, he says, I'm going to die for you. The leaders at that time hated him. They wanted to destroy him. He was taking way too much power. Too many people were following him. He was able to speak with wisdom that no one had even thought of yet. And so they decided to kill him. They literally, at one point, asked the people, would you rather have Barabbas or would you rather have Jesus? They took a murdering rapist instead and sent Jesus to his death. He'd suffered great suffering, Jesus did, whipping and beating and spearing. Then... Jesus dies. He died on the cross. They take him to a burial site, put him in a grave, put a stone that's immovable by a single man, put two armed guards in front of it, and basically said to all the people, aha, aha. That is the introduction to what I'm about to read in Mark chapter 16. So I'm going to read it with you. Verse 1 I'm going to start with. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome went out to purchase burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. So Jesus was actually crucified on Wednesday, give or take, during the Jewish holiday. And so Saturday night, the day before Sunday, they went and purchased these oils, and they needed to do that because in Jewish tradition, this is how they anointed the dead. It says in verse 2, very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? I want you to think about that for a second. This is for all the Christians here who've been in all the services and been in all the sermons for the last couple of weeks. This is for you. Imagine what they were thinking. Two, three little ladies with some spices going to approach some armed guards with a giant rock and they somehow think they're going to get in? Really? What I'm trying to say, church, is these ladies were willing to experience the impossible. They didn't know how. They didn't know what. They just knew why. They knew that they had to get to Jesus and treat him with respect they knew that if they got there, they would see a miracle. And so they went. But as they arrived, the butts of the Bible, man, I tell you, I could do a sermon just on the butts of the Bible. Many people would laugh. As they arrived, they looked up and they saw that stone, which was very large and had already been rolled aside. Miracle one, they already saw the grave with no armed guards, the rock already rolled away. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white, sitting on the right side. This was an angel. The women were shocked. I'd be, wouldn't you? But the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen. He is risen, church. That's what the angels say. I can't imagine how he said it. Did he say it? He is risen. Did he say it? He is risen. 
I don't know how he said it. I don't know. I'm not an angel. I'd like to see it. But I assure you, it, it just shocked, shocking all through their body. You know, the, the, the prickling of the arms, the goosebumps, the whole nine yards. He says, you don't believe me? Look, this is where his body was. This is where they laid him down. Look at the blood stains. Here he was. He's no longer here. Then it says, here in verse 7, now go tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as you were told. Church, I want to point out to you, the angel, after Jesus was already risen, all his disciples were all scattered. All the Christians, you today that love the Lord, you today that are Christians, you today that are here and are excited. You know, back then, those Christians were super excited. These were the disciples. They were with Jesus all the time. They were scattered. They were lost. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know why God wasn't answering them. They couldn't understand how he would die. They couldn't understand what to do now. And you know what? They needed encouragement too. The angel said, go encourage the disciples. And so that's what this sermon is about. It's to encourage everyone here to go and tell you that he is risen, to go and tell you that Jesus is ahead of you, to go and tell you that Jesus was here before you came in, to go and tell you that Jesus is at your workplace before you show up tomorrow, to go and tell you that Jesus is in your home before you get there, that Jesus is in your bedroom, Jesus is in your bathroom, Jesus is everywhere you go trying desperately to get your attention to transform your life. In fact, it was the greatest funeral of all time. Think about that. They're going to anoint him to go through the funeral process, to go through the grieving and mourning process and the weeping and wailing. And instead, they get there and the tomb is empty and Jesus is not there. I want you to think about that this morning. Because if I told you this morning that this was a funeral service and we had the casket and I was wearing all black and I was standing up there on a pulpit, everyone would have a different demeanor. And I'm positive that if everyone was in that service, every one of you, whether you understand God or do not, would start thinking about what would happen when you die. You'd think about eternity. Today I'm telling you, you have the same opportunity to think about eternity at the greatest funeral that was ever made, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what have you been pushed into? What has your life led you to to this point? And where will you go after today? That is what I'm trying to get a hold of. So with all of that, we have, what is the point of the resurrection? What is the point of these scriptures? So I'm going to pray one more time. Why do we worship? Why do we pray? Because we believe that God is alive and he is here and he asks us to pray and to worship him. So we spend a lot of time doing it. You can pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that this word would get into our soul, into our spirit. I pray, Lord God, that you would, you would find a way to get into our lives, Lord God. I pray that you would uh, uh, till some ground, get, dig up some weeds, allow your word to get deep down into our soil and sprout up good fruit in Jesus' name. And the church says, God is good and all the time. Amen. Amen. Why the resurrection? It's confusing to me. It really is. If you look at all of Jesus' uh, uh, ministry and you read all the theology and you talk about all the pastors and priests and everybody who talks about Jesus, they want to remind you that you're a sinner. And they want to remind you that you were born that way. And they want to remind you there's no way of getting rid of your sin. No matter how little that you participate in, you still are. And they want to remind you that the only way to get rid of that is with pure, innocent blood, that of Jesus Christ, and that he shed his blood for you. And that, in fact, is your entrance into heaven. And you see, Jesus Christ, he went to the cross to die for us and you and me and everyone on the planet so that we may have access into heaven. He did that. But as Amber and the worship team so eloquently sang this morning, he didn't stop 
there. Why didn't he stop there? He could have. Our, our sins were forgiven. Our entrance into heaven was assured. Why the resurrection? Have you asked yourself this question? You see, as I began to watch this documentary, The Push, God began to reveal something fascinating to me. So before I get to that, I want to finish with this word here. Let's look at it. Here are three reasons I want to tell you immediately why the resurrection is important. This one that you guys can probably get your head around. Proof positive. Proof positive. He resurrected because he said he would. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the life and the resurrection. I will go and die for you, and on three days I will rise again. In order for him not to be a liar, he needs to do just that. And you know what he did? Exactly that. All throughout his ministry, he called himself the son of God. He said, I am equal with God. I can, you only way you can get to God is through me. All of these grand claims that many people perceived, he was a prophet saying good things and good wisdom. Then when he's equating himself with God and saying he's going to be resurrected, most people thought he's either crazy or a liar. But when he breathed again in that tomb, this was proof positive, confirming his claim. He is not just a prophet. He is certainly not a liar. He is, in fact, the son of God. That's important. Somebody can clap because that's important. In fact... That one simple fact has been irrefutable over time. I encourage you, if you doubt Christianity today, do like all the other skeptics have. Pick up a history book, forget the Bible, and go look at the history proof positive of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. At that time, it spawned an entire wave, an entire movement called Christianity. And to this day, we still celebrate his resurrection. But there's a second reason it begins with P. Why? Because you'll remember it that way. Proof and power. Power. This is the reason why I get so excited on Sunday morning, whether it's Resurrection Sunday or not. God has power and he's alive today. There is no denying it. I can go after story after story after story about God in my family's life, healing my children, sending us in situations and opportunity, protecting us when we need a protection. There are so many examples of miracles in this church proof positive that his power is at work. In the Bible, we see all of these implementations, all of these experiences of power. And you ask yourself, is that real? When he resurrected on the grave on this Sunday, I tell you, that we look and we say, yes, he was able to heal the blind. But he was not limited there. His power was not limited to just filling up a basket with food. His power was not limited to just walking on water. His power was not limited to just telling the storms, peace be still. His power was not even just limited to touching the soul of a dead body and saying, rise again. You see, his power was over his own death and resurrection. This power is irrefutable. If our God has power over the grave, then what should you have for him that he cannot resolve? Amen? God is good all the time. There's another P here. P, P, P. I'll get a laugh. Perspective. This is the one that, that speaks the most to me of the resurrection. Perspective. Immediately, I say to myself, I come to church, and this is weird. 
We go and we sing songs and we raise our hand and we close our eyes and we come up to the altar and we say prayers and, and, and we start crying and some people get emotional and, and some people get really excited. What's the deal? Are we just part of a giant emotional concept? Are we just coming here out of the kindness of our heart and the, the lunacy of our minds? Is that why we're doing it? No. No, you see, the perspective is that Jesus is alive. We serve a God, not a concept. We serve a Lord, not an emotion. He is alive and he is one walking and breathing and living in you. And he is here in this church. Amber said in her song, he is working in our lives. He is sitting on the throne. Our king is on the spiritual throne in heaven and he is reigning over you and me. This afterlife is a whole new perspective. Think about that. Our life does not end when we stop breathing. There is something else going on, something magical, mystical, something eternal. I don't understand it, but I do know who's in control of it. It is Jesus Christ. I have no fear what's going to happen to me when I take my last breath. And I know that Jesus Christ was resurrected. And if he was resurrected, then it is very true that at some point in my life, I could be resurrected. And maybe that resurrection will happen the day I die and I wake up in heaven. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And finally, perspective. Well, if Jesus is alive and Jesus showed himself to the disciples and he went ahead of him, then it suffice to say that Jesus is probably also walking with me and with you and not just here in service, everywhere I go. In fact, the Bible says he goes before us. This perspective should give you immense courage, immense confidence, immense passion. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, nothing can come against you. Do you understand? Even in the, the short term, the temporary, if something happens, it's for something in the eternal. God is trying to do miracle in your life. Amen? So you're following me, and that was your Easter sermon. That was the resurrection, as it says in black and white. That is what you'll hear, and you'll see if you get into theology and you wonder about the resurrection. But I wanted something more. I wanted something different. God is the God of more. He's the God of illuminating more to us. He's the God of showing us deeper secrets in his word. And so there's a gem in here. There's a secret in here. There's something small, subtle. You may have missed it. So I want to go over it one more time and hopefully enlighten you. Let's look at the scripture again. It's Mark chapter 16, verse 6 and 7. Verse 6 says, Don't be alarmed, the angel said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. Proof. This was the man that was crucified. He has risen. Power. He is not here. See the place where they lay him. Go look for yourself. Go look. Most of the time, we don't get past this verse. He is risen. And I can see why. It's a powerful verse. As a matter of fact, it was the verse of the day. If you belong to the Bible app or you have those notifications, you saw a verse very similar to this. But I want to introduce you to verse 7, the verse after this. And I want you to see, if you see what I see, let's take a look at it. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. The Lord told me to focus on this verse, and I assumed he meant to, to get you all excited that he is going before us, that the Lord is doing something ahead of us, the Lord is doing something that you haven't yet thought of, and he is inspiring you. Receive that, because the Lord is doing that in all of your lives right now. But that's not what he was pointing out. It was something smaller, something more subtle. Do you see it? Maybe if I use the highlighter. I highlight it. And Peter. What in the world is this about? What do you mean, Lord? Why, why would you 
have your angel separate Peter. Why would, why would he say, and Peter, we all know he's a disciple. As a matter of fact, he may have been one of the most important disciples. Why, why would you say, and Peter? And then it all came rushing to me instantly. I asked you to think about what you've been pushed into, what you've done, the social pressures in your life. I want you to think about Peter for a second. This man, all of us know the story. He loved God. He was with God. He fought for God. He rose up for God. But when God needed him most, he denied God. He didn't deny him just once. Not twice. Three times. No. I'm not with him. No, I don't love him. No, that's not God. In essence, all of us have been there maybe once in our life. All of us can associate with Peter and making a mistake. All of us can understand there's something in our life that removes us, that separates us from God. And if it was just the crucifixion, Peter would have went the rest of his life saying, why me? Why did I fail? Is my life defined by my failures and my sin? I couldn't be strong enough for you, God, when it mattered the most. I'm sorry. He would have lived a pitiful, sad, sinful life, looking for any way to drown the pain away. That's what would have happened if not for the resurrection. But you see, in this moment, right here in Scripture, in this moment, the angel is saying, don't you understand? Jesus is risen, and this is critically important, not just for the Christians, but for Peter. Go tell Peter that Jesus is coming. Go tell Peter, especially Peter, that he's coming for him. To understand the gravity of this, let me go back to the movie The Push. This movie culminates in all of these social pressures to these people who are really torn and into a, into a struggle where they literally feel the need that they have to do something dramatic and these people are literally trying to get them to push a man off of a building. Normal people, everyday people like you and me. And in this show, in this show, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but I will tell you, if anybody does push them off, of course no one will really die in real life, but they think they would. They would push them off and of course they would you know, hit the ground or whatever, and he would be dead. And, and, and then they would be all upset, and they would probably go to jail even. And they have to process all of that. And then, of course, if they saw the person, they would realize, wow, he didn't die, he's resurrected. This is a big joke. And if that would happen in the show, you begin to see their reactions. You begin to see how different people would react to this situation. And one thing that was evident in that show that was positive in that show was this, that everybody that went through this experiment, that went through the pressure, when they got out the other side, especially the people who participated, they realized they had a second life. They realized they had a new lease on life. They realized they actually didn't commit any crime. They weren't going to jail, that they actually weren't as bad as they thought they were. They realized in that moment they were, but now that they have a chance to rethink it, now that they have a chance to get a hold of their own life, they're going to change their life forever. They're going to live a new life, a better life, a life where they're in control of it. That is the movie. That is the essence. That is what's going on here. Peter pushed. Peter had his hand in killing Jesus Christ, and yet Jesus resurrected for Peter. You think that God is in the business of giving you another chance? Ask Peter. 
It's not a second chance or a third chance. It's another chance. What am I referring to? Some of you sit before me today and you are sinners and you know it. Some of you come to me and you want to share it with me. You feel better if you confess it. You share with me your sins. Some of them are egregious. Some of them are terrible, you would say. You're embarrassed. You don't want to, you don't want everyone to know. And you wonder to yourself, will God love me? Can God love me? This Christian, this Easter, this whole church thing, it's not for people like me. And there are others sitting here, Christians sitting here, those who've given their heart to God, who've asked for forgiveness, who have said to themselves, yeah, I've, I've told a lie. I've done that. Or, yeah, I've, uh, you know, I've said some mean words to somebody I've loved before. I've done that. Yeah, I uh, put money over God before. Or I've cheated on my taxes before. Or, or I didn't handle that situation right. Or I know for a fact that all the Christians here, God speaks to. And some of you think, I know I should be doing this. I know God wants me to do this, but I'm not going to do it right now. I'm going to wait later. I'll do it tomorrow. Or I just can't do it right now. Have you had to live your day over again knowing full well that God was watching and with you and standing next to you? You would do a very different life. So all of us, can understand that we have a letdown, a failure. But I'm here to tell you today, your life is not defined by your failures. Your life is not defined by your past. Your life is defined by the decision you make today to wonder and put your name right there. Go tell his disciples, and you. Put his, I want you to say, and me on three. One, two, three. And me. Put your name there. Go tell disciples, and Chuck. Go tell disciples, and Angie. Go tell disciples, and Jimmy. God wants to tell you specifically in a personal way that your failures do not define you, that I am coming to use everything you have, the good, bad, and the ugly, for my glory in Jesus' name. Will you get a hold that today could be the first day to the next of your life? Think about it this way. Every miracle I mentioned in Scripture, every single miracle in Scripture that I mentioned, everyone started with a struggle. Everyone started with a tragedy. Everyone started with suffering. If those things are in your life, great! You're a candidate for a miracle. I'm about to close, and I want to leave you with this thought. Sunday, for many people, is about another day I have to wear a tie, get to wear pastels, go to an Easter egg hunt. Some people would even tell me it's a day that interrupts my routine. Christ is trying to get a hold of you today. He is desperately trying to get into your ear that today is not about interrupting your routine. It's about transforming your everything. He wants to transform your everything, not just one Sunday, but all of eternity. He doesn't want to just reorder your Sunday schedule. He wants to revamp your life. Some of you need to hear this. I need to hear this, so I'm going to say it to all of us. God has a plan today, and you're in it. God has a purpose for you. God is working a miracle, and it includes you. No matter what your thought process is, no matter what your education, skill level, financial well-being, or mental status is, he wants, desperately wants you to transform your everything. I just gave you the New Testament. Well, for some of you, it's not very new. That was 2,000 years ago. 
Now I want you to imagine with me. I asked you, what would you do? And you think to yourself on that show, The Push, would you push somebody? I asked you to think about what have you been pushed into already? I want you to think today, what if Jesus resurrected himself today? What if it wasn't? What if it wasn't three days? What if he said, I will come back at a time to transform your life, a time such as this, lay awake and watch. And what if, what if that day was today and people all over the world, were their, their job was literally to watch the tomb and now with modern day technology and military, you know, all the Romans or whomever it would be today, you know, they would be protecting it and guiding over it. And of course, if that was the way it was today, God would do it in even more miraculous fashion and he would be resurrected today. And I want you to think, how would you become aware of that? What would that mean to you if that happened today? 2018, modern technology, how would that change your life? How would you get that message? What would you do if you knew that God was going to change your life today forever? Would you accept it? Would you embrace it? Would you start living today like it was the first day of your new life? Can you turn the lights down? And I want you to watch this video. And I want you to think about you getting a message that says, Jesus is coming for you. This is what they felt like when it happened. And today, it's how we should feel too. Because what it meant for them, it means for us. Church, will you stand with me? God is risen. He is risen. And he wants you to have a message just like that, that you're grave is empty not just that of God but what Satan has for you in the future what he is trying to do to you to destroy you to bring you down to to empty your life I'm telling you that grave is empty Jesus Christ is risen he has taken the keys from the devil and he has said that he will resurrect your life he's not in the business of just resurrecting himself he's resurrecting each and every one of us spiritually he wants so much more for you today than you have and I'm not just talking about physical things and material things. I'm talking about wholeness. 
He wants you healthy. He wants you to be able to do his ministry. He wants to provide for you. Our Jehovah Jireh. He wants to heal you. Our Jehovah Rapha. He wants you to have victory. Our Jehovah Nisi. And he wants you to have peace. Our Jehovah Shalom. That is the God who is risen. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.